about scientists and politicians is how do we get more voices, different modalities, different ways of speaking and acting. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The MasterPods. My name's Olivier, and in this second season of the podcast, we talk with sustainability professionals from around the world to find out more about all these people who are trying to make the world a better place. Who are they? How did they get where they are? And what drives them? These are some of the questions we will try to answer here in The MasterPods. I am very excited to welcome today's guest, Marina Nart. Marina is a sustainability strategist, a participatory processes designer, and a facilitator. For the past years, and among many other projects, she has been working with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals and trying to get public and private organizations to both contribute to, benefit from, and most importantly, to exceed these goals. And with that said, here's our talk. Hello, Marina. How are you doing? Hi, Olivier. I'm well, thanks. And you? Yeah, I'm great. A little tired, but I'm excited about the discussion we're going to have. <laughs> yeah, me too. Thank you so much for the invite. Yeah, I thought I'd start with the simplest question of them all. Who are you? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so I am Marina. I'm originally from Italy, but I've been based in Sweden for the last uh, 10 years. I came here to study uh, the science of sustainability and uh, I never left. <laughs> and uh, yeah, ever since I guess I became um, uh, an explorer slash entrepreneur because I thought that I had to, um, you know, build the foundations of uh, the sustainability industry. Um, yeah, so it's not really, it was not there when I graduated in 2013. <laughs> mm. Okay. Oh, this is exciting. Um, we're we're going to hear more about that in a second. So um, what is your role in, in, in your organization? Yes. And what is your organization? Yeah. Um, right now I'm a freelance consultant, so I'm actually self-employed. Um, and uh, so I, you know, I founded this uh, um, approach to sustainability called Beyond 2030, which is about, as you just described, helping organizations going beyond the UN. SDGs. And uh, that's what I mainly do. I mainly work with startups. Uh, I teach at the university and I uh, consult companies uh, and uh, individuals that want to make an impact. Uh, I give them the tools and the mindsets from the science of sustainability and I help them implementing it through workshops and labs of all kinds, depending on the, the needs they are addressing. Mm. Yeah, I can even attest to uh, how good you are because I've actually been to one of your workshops. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, it was very good. Um, and so like, this is a lot of things, actually. You work with startups, you work with teaching, you work with consulting. Um, what are your, like, what does a, a day in your life look like? Yeah, I mean, the beauty of um, being a, you know, uh, entrepreneur trying to build your own approach to things is that every day is different. Of course, I don't have the, um, traditional schedule of the nine to five job kind of thing. Mm. Um, yeah. so that's exciting. And I get to, of course, decide what's important and what to invest my time on and so on. Um, I have a lot to say about the, <laughs> that, uh, but my, my goal was to focus on impact and do things, um, the way I believe needs to be done based on what I've studied and what I know that scientists are discussing um, that needs to be done. Um, and then there is the reality of actually doing that when you're self-employed and your whole economy depends on it. So of course it's, uh, um, yeah, I guess the, the m m most of the time I actually spend learning and uh, 
keeping on track with all uh, the discussions that are going on in different uh, uh, groups in society and uh, that because that's the base of what I actually do as a job. Um, mm-hmm. So I enjoy doing that a lot, of course, and I try to do it in a very uh, practical way by, for example, them volunteering for organizations, um, you know, for example, Fridays for Future and helping them with creating content around the uh, topic. So I do create contents for a couple of um, organizations, and uh, that's how I try to be pragmatic as a you know uh, entrepreneur, um, uh, so that I don't just you know uh, learn for the sake of learning. But I they, I also try to apply it and sp- uh, spread the knowledge or spread the insights that I find and so on. Oh so yeah, can be, yeah, useful. That sounds to me that sounds like the dream job with the good kind of, with the good kind of stress. You know, the one that drives you. Yeah, it's yeah. I'm actually enjoying it quite a bit. Um, I recommend <laughs> I, I recommend doing that at least for I don't know a year once in your lifetime. It's just nice to <laughs> to try and see what you're what you can do and what you well how would you spend your time if you could uh, decide and hopefully in a way that doesn't you know affect your economy too much. But um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. important. Yeah, that's definitely something I've thought about. Um, but yeah. So, like, my next question is, how did you end up in your current position? And maybe this is also this also relates to how you found it, or in the in what circumstances you founded your uh, company. Yeah, <laughs> that for me, um, it's been a journey since uh, since I actually was about to graduate. Um, I didn't see myself as an entrepreneur. I studied this very academic program around sustainability, so we were actually preparing to become PhD students or you know researchers of some kind. And mm. so, um, what happened is that uh, I got exposed to this concept of entrepreneurship. I didn't. I, I. It's not. It's nothing I have in my background or around me. From the start, is something I found on the way, and I, and that resonated with me. Uh, and I don't mean entrepreneurship in in uh, in a strictly business um, you know perspective. I mean entrepreneurship as uh, step up and do what needs to be done if nobody's doing it. Uh, it's more of an approach to things uh, that I found um, very useful. I got inspired by people around me when I was um, uh, co like co developing the so the. Yeah, the first uh, center for social innovation at Lund University. Um, that was me stepping up and doing it uh, without even having a notion for it and then being surrounded by people that labeled it. And then I realized, okay, um, maybe this is a thing. Maybe when I go to class and listen to all this uh you know, great concepts and ideas, and we discuss so many interesting things about how we could solve uh, the challenges of sustainability. Maybe I don't have to wait uh, to find a job around this. Maybe I can just, uh, you know, think think it through with some people and uh, come up with ideas and try to implement them. And because nobody knows how to do it anyway, uh, we need to. We are the first generation that gets to put the knowledge into action. And so, mm. yeah, why 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 not? Why shouldn't I shouldn't I try to? Uh, you know, use my own brain and whatever network and skills and try to see what I can contribute to. So that was, um, you know, a seed back in 2013, but then eventually developed because in Stockholm, uh, I moved from Lund to Stockholm and in Stockholm, there is a big hype around entrepreneurship and, you know, it's not, um, it's not a big threshold. It's not a crazy thing to start a company, especially like a freelancing um, business, um, you know, it's pretty much um, no cost, no barrier from a cost perspective, and it's very easy bureaucratically to manage. Mm. And there is a big acceptance in society that you're, you know, you don't have to be 
coming with uh, a lot of experience into um, the startup scene or the entrepreneurship scene. So it really was like a very smooth transition when I didn't find what I was looking for as a job. Um, so yeah, I was also very surprised by how entrepreneurship is present everywhere in the city. Yeah, it's, it's everyone is involved with it in one way or another. It seems. Yeah, it's really uh, very interesting. So this is this sounds like a journey. And when you were younger, when you were 15, maybe did you see yourself in the position that you are today? <laughs> Actually, this is a great question because uh, something pivoted in in uh, in my life, and uh, and I got to this uh, journey in a very um, um, yeah in a strange way because uh, when I was uh, 15, about a teenager. Um, my goal was to become an ambassador. My goal was to have this international career where I would go around and, you know, through the means of diplomacy and, you know, I guess rhetoric, uh, convince uh, people, I mean, governments and, uh, you know, representative of governments and uh, institutions, companies and networks to, uh, you know, make uh, agreements on things that were for the benefit of the country come from and, and of course, of the benefit of the international society, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so on. So I really thought... I can relate to that. Yeah. (laughs) I had the same dream. <laughs> <laughs> Great, maybe yeah. There's a lot in common here. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it, that was my goal, and the reason was uh, my reasoning was I have I had um, uh, with my family we hosted a, a couple that were um, uh, ambassadors themselves, um, and they were just talking about their job, and it was of course very inspiring. Uh, but uh, beside the logistics of the traveling and you know getting exposed to, exposed to different cultures and uh, ways of doing things and having to learn a lot. What I uh, was mostly interested in was this idea that um, if you want to make a change and if you want to have a contribution in the world and do something, um, you need to talk to the people that, so, so to speak, matters, right? The one with the power, right? So th- that would, would have been a way to get exposed to those people and having to talk to them directly, right? That was my mm-hmm. idea of uh, contributing and making a change. Uh, but... Um, but uh, uh, then I realized that um, if you want to make a change, uh, you can um, many, I mean, especially with sustainability challenges, uh, top down is not enough. At least it wasn't back in 2000, um, you know, 13, 14, when I was, uh, uh, 2010, when I was uh, pivoting. Um, if you want to make a change, you need to bring the bottom, uh, you need to work from the bottom up and you need to bring people along because this type of change cannot be forced onto people, at least not in yeah. democratic countries. So I realized um, I was working at the, the Institute for Ecological Economy Research as a you know research assistant as a student. And uh, we I was part of this uh, research project that was about um, understanding why the Feeding uh, the tariff, the feeding tariff system that the German government had developed for renewable energies uh, deployment was not uh, appreciated and used by the citizens, right? So nobody wanted wind turbines in their backyards or solar panels, and nobody wanted yeah. to benefit from the scheme, and they didn't really understand it because it was such a gain for a private, you know, householder for a company. So they didn't really understand, and what they figured is that maybe the ideas are great and the need is real. But if you don't explain to people, because you will touch their lives in a very personal and private way, uh, you will not be able to go very far in a, democ- in, a, in a democratic context. So then I got really curious about participatory methods and understanding, and I understood that power can be also 
uh, very soft and subtle, you know, when you work in from the bottom up. And absolutely, yeah. So that's how I got. uh, When I understood that I have power, and and I don't need to talk to Merkel, you know, to make a change. (laughs) I don't need to be taken, um, you know, being introduced in this kind of conversation. I can make a change whenever I, wherever I am in my community. So then the power went back to me. And I didn't have to subscribe it to a job title or, you know, a certain position in society. So I think that's uh, what brought me to study, uh, you know, in Sweden afterwards. And I continue yeah. on the journey. Th- th- those are really inspiring words, Marina. I- I'm enjoying listening to you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and this is so great because your talk about uh, bringing change from the bottom up brings me to my next question that I wanted to ask you, and that is... Uh, incorporating sustainability into your life. Do you do that? Or do you believe in how, or how do you do it if you do it? Yeah, I definitely believe in it. I think that the biggest impact we can have is with the people that trust and uh, that trust us and that know us. And mm. I believe that you really, I my message to sustainability people is let's be kind and uh, show by example and not to preach in a way when when we are in a close environment with our friends and relatives uh people will feel judged by your behavior but that's not your fault you know if somebody feels uh somehow judged because you don't eat meat maybe if you have a vegan diet for example Mm. or if you decide not to travel by plane and uh, take a train for three days people might judge you or might you know pick on you a little bit or they might just feel provoked but i mean that's not your responsibility um but um and so what I'm, yeah i guess what i'm trying to say is that it's good not to preach and not to push people to do what you do but it's definitely good if you do it and you show that you're happy what well, once i realized that the best way to um you know work with sustainability is also to do it yourself because then you get to test things and you get to empathize more with others and understand the needs better and what the barriers for change are and if you don't preach and you just show that you are happy and healthy and you have a great life anyway you might actually be creating a model that other people get inspired by and eventually over time you will have created change around you and if we manage to change one person that's already huge from a footprint perspective right so imagine yeah. if you, you without even knowing all your friends over you know a decade that turn into <laughs> sustainability expert themselves you know it's funny <laughs> now you know the times are right and uh, it's a is a thing anyway so i think it's uh definitely the time to just be bold and do it do as much as you can without um feeling guilty for not being able to go the full way because um it's hard to be consistent uh, before we uh, shift paradigm, right? You cannot uh, live in a sustainable paradigm within the current paradigm. It doesn't make sense. So it will never be perfect. It will never be 100%. It will always be contradictory, but that's also okay as far as you uh, are open about it and you can, yeah, be honest about it. Yeah, it's impossible to do everything, but everything you do matters. And I also definitely abide by that principle of leading by example i think it's it's the most important thing you can do if you want to if you want to do the right thing yeah and and so like if you were to give a piece of advice to anyone who listens here what is your top sustainability tip if you have one so i would say know what you want know your vision your dream your desires very well and know why you want those things i think that will be my best advice 
Mm, that's quite interesting. Very reflective method there. Yeah, I would say that if you approach uh, sustainability from a vision perspective, and you, from a, as you said, a reflective perspective, I think you will be having much easier time in being as sustainable as it goes without yeah. feeling guilty or feeling pressure or feeling social pressure, you know? Um, yeah, I would say that. Yeah. Absolutely. And so sustainability is a visionary enterprise to the core. We have mm-hmm. to be able to see what we can do in order to work hard and, and achieve that. So I 100% agree with that. Uh, and and so you, like you also said earlier that uh, you have to keep yourself learning and being actively like taking in all this information about sustainability. And uh, how do, how do you do that? Do you have like a particular type of source, maybe a book or a podcast or conferences, or how do you inform yourself? Yeah, mainly through uh, reading reports. <laughs> maybe it's the most mm. uh, boring way, but um, definitely being engaged in conferences and. Uh, webinars or podcasts that you know during corona time everything became digital but definitely be engaged in the conversation that are happening through conferences and uh, um you know podcast podcast for sure uh, but also just uh, uh i really use linkedin as my um how can you call it um my radar <laughs> a radar yeah, that's good <laughs> because uh if you um use linkedin uh properly like uh, not properly but like um as a tool uh for mm-hmm. keeping part of the discussion as part of i mean being engaged in the discussions then you add people that are um you know some kind of opinion leaders or experts in different fields uh, you can you can create a base on linkedin where all your content suddenly um becomes about uh, their posts and their and what they share you know and because it's linkedin you i i follow for example soccer resilient center you know uh, different institutions and um so it's easy for me to kind of have a feed um, but that is shared by private individuals. So it's almost like uh, already evaluated by people that I trust as experts. So we cross-check, right? I, I, I maybe go and look for first-hand information myself. And my mm. top one, I create content for um, the organizations I volunteer for. But then again, I can cross-check the facts with other people uh, because I have selected them as my uh, part of my network. So when they share in- insights that I might have not heard of yet, then I can go quickly and, and you know, look, click through the links, find the source and read, read about it myself and see in the discussion threads what other experts have commented on. So I think that became somehow my main, you know, uh, way of finding out, uh, staying, staying up to date and finding out things and also finding out about events, conferences, podcasts, and so on. So mm. I definitely... Uh, yeah, it somehow helped me a lot. I guess some people use Twitter. I never did that. And I'm jumping on the LinkedIn bo- boat right now. And uh, yeah, enjoying it. It's um, Yeah, it's good because you also get a international or multicultural perspective. So I have people that mm-hmm. work with, uh, I don't know, um, indigenous people in the Amazons and I see their perspective. And, you know, then there is somebody from Austria all of a sudden, you know, and uh, New Zealand, whatnot. So, Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I'm also on the LinkedIn boat at the moment. I yeah. have left the twi- Twitter train, so okay. <laughs> it, it, those are two ways of in, great ways of informing yourself if you use them right. Again, I think you specified that. That's really that's really an important point. But yeah, good uh, good tip. And and uh, now let's transition to uh, questions uh, about your work because we are interested about this. Um, what do you like about your job? I what I like about 
it is that it's meaningful it gives uh, yeah it gives meaning and purpose and uh, and to my life i believe that ultimately um the meaning of life <laughs> in my own uh, you know words and uh, reflection is about um developing yourself uh be responsible for yourself and developing yourself in the in the the best way possible um not only from a knowledge perspective, but also as an individual and really go deeper into who you are and what you're about and, you know, why you do what you do and really understand yourself and master yourself. Because I think what that's, you're capable of. Yeah. And what you're capable of. So I, for me personally, that's uh, mm, the core of what, I mean, yeah, what's meaningful for me to live for. <laughs> Maybe it's too big to say, but um, no. And, yeah, and then I anchor that to what I do. So um, for me, um, I so I, I like to take an approach at two in two levels, right? One is the practical now level, and one is the bigger picture, uh, the bigger scheme of things. You know, I feel like uh, you know I'm just here for maybe a, about a hundred years if everything goes you know very well, um, you know, as a human being, and I just showed up in a time point in history, and I'm just part of a huge process that started way before me and will continue maybe hopefully after me quite a, you know as extensively and so i don't um i try not to uh, become obsessed by my own vision if it makes any sense or mm. by the sustainability vision or you know um or principles and values but at the same time i'm super passionate and committed when i do work um uh, when i do my work so i what i like the most is this um uh, is this idea that i can together with other smart brilliant people like yourself and other people that i get around uh, i get um you know to work with um really have a, a reflection and a um exploration about what what should be what should humanity be about like in the context of um yeah that we find ourselves in now and what what does it mean and what can we do what should we do and what do we want to do and why mm. you know i think that's to, to to work at that level um i think is required uh, when shifting paradigms which is what we're trying to do in my opinion with sustainability um and uh, but also it's very meaningful from our personal perspective um so i what i'm trying to say is that humanity or human beings has probably never been in this position where at this scale we didn't have to worry about um, basic survival. Yeah. Now we're finding out that uh, we have a, a model, we're trying to clinch on a model that doesn't serve us anymore and we don't really understand why. Like we, is not only not serving us anymore from a practical perspective because of the planetary boundaries, but also because of, um, and our health consequences on that, but also mm -hmm. from a meaning perspective, like we understand that maybe to produce and consume uh, that model somehow is not uh, is not helping us on top of our full potential and is not maybe what we're about. So yeah, maybe it's not the optimal model. Yeah, and um, yeah, I, I don't know what you think about it, but uh, I would say that that's where the, where we are at in our transition and why we're stuck is because we actually have to understand while we are very physical uh, animals, <laughs> like you know we have a physical dimension that is very real, but yeah. actually if if we, if we, when we get uh, our basic needs addressed and we don't have to worry about them, then what? Like, I mean, we don't need another jacket. We don't need another, you know, um, you know. Um, so what then? Like, what's 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 the deal with us then? 
Yeah, it makes me it makes me think about when you read these the books like uh, like Sapiens or uh, Factfulness, mm-hmm. and you know you you realize that you are just one little cog in a universe of things folding on, and you are given this time on Earth yeah. to yeah basically make whatever you want of it. And I think that a great way of spending that time is to try to make the world, the lives of people and the planet a little bit better. And I think that's that's a very respectable thing to say, and it's not at all uh, a too broad thing to say because you like you said you have to keep in mind uh, the broader picture the big picture if you work on a given project and you have a hard time in seeing the meaningfulness Mm -hmm. of it you should just remember what what it is part of yeah absolutely yeah very summarized (laughs) yeah um do you have a a particular project that you've worked on that you find that you found really memorable or that marked you in some special way well more most recently i would say the one that really um, excited me a lot was with the community in maastricht in the netherlands and that's because it is a community and it was a participatory process it was about um helping different type of stakeholders um and the public to come together and create a vision so apply what i call the beyond 2030 approach to sustainability uh, to their community. So that was really exciting because when you work with a startup or with an individual or with a unit level in general, mm-hmm. it's, um, it's very hard to feel that, um, I mean, it's great, it's important, it's, um, you know, it's a step in the right direction, especially if you can create a new model that can make the old model obsolete, then, then it's great. It feels really, mm, you know, exciting. But when you mm-hmm. work with a community scale, it's, uh, I don't know, it's just um, the level of meaning just skyrockets because, of course, uh, impact um, is greater. Um, mm. So I would say that would be my ideal, you know, um, way of working with communities where you don't only have the startups or the entrepreneurs, you also have the municipality, the students, the, um, you know, uh, the newcomers, um, you know, people that are just there for the day and, uh uh, different uh, NGOs and uh, the schools and whatnot. So uh, the youth, the children, you know, everybody in the same room and uh, yeah, kind of uh, f- think. Putting about- their heads together. Yeah, yeah. Great things can happen when you do that. That's what I've experienced. Yeah. Do you have a story about that? Oof. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, like I used to volunteer a lot for the European Youth Parliament, which wow. uh, which is this organization that tries to sort of bring about uh, European values and citizenship ideas to European to European citizens. But it extends beyond the the borders of the EU. Really, it's it's more about forging some sense yeah. of common identity, and and it's so it's so yeah. fascinating when you yeah when you have these people who who've never met each other yeah. and. And everyone's really awkward in the beginning and doesn't know what to say. And, and it's always like that. But then you figure out these these methods that are tailored fit to break the ice. And in the span of a couple of hours, you can get people to communicate on a very deep level. Mm, yeah. And that's the great part about it. Because if you, if you do that for a day or two or three, like the things you can achieve are just uh, phenomenal. And I don't think we give enough. I mean, we do, awesome. but... Sometimes I think we don't give enough credit to the things you can achieve by doing that. That's amazing. Yeah. And to me, that's really core about sustainability also. This uh, notion of being able to listen to people and consult them and hear what it is they want and 
can you can we somehow reconcile that with the with the needs of the planet? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> but I can imagine that as uh, someone who deals with these kind of things on a daily basis, um, and who has to bring about the notion of sustainability, probably to people who sometimes have never heard about it or have heard very little. Do you uh, do you face any like specific challenges about that as a sustainability professional? Um, I did for many years, and then I realized. I mean, I figured how to communicate it. So um, I think that communication is maybe forty percent of the work um, as a sustainability person or professional. You mm. really need to not only be good at the content, but you also need to be good at communicating it. Um, so. I would say communication is 40, about 40% of the work for any sustainability professional, depending mm. on your role and uh, on your skill set. Um, I don't mean put yourself out there and become the, the spokesperson of your organization. I just mean that um, we need to be as clear as possible with what sustainability is to help people contribute, you know? So when I figure that communication, uh, how to communicate, I really... Um, yeah, I started uh, overcoming all the, um, you know, uh, misunderstandings or the misconceptions and the uh, uh, obstacles that uh, are mainly in people's mind. They are not real and they're just excuses that the brain produces to avoid uh, having to change. So once yeah. I realized that, <laughs> then, uh, yeah, you seem familiar with this um, process, I think, Um yeah, I realized that is uh, everything is possible and it's all about believing in what you're saying and understanding it with clarity so that mm -hmm. when you communicate it, you can bring that clarity in other people's mind and then suddenly all those people that maybe you think might be against or not really having the values uh, um, you know, in line with this and therefore not be interested in contributing, all those people somehow turn into like, you know, champions of sustainability and without you having to label them as such, but, you know, they're definitely interested and in, uh, uh, in contributing. So, yeah, with clarity, I think you can get a lot of engagement and uh, impact uh, through other people by activating others and uh, their intelligence and knowledge and networks. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, you can also get an, a lot of knowledge through it. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, just, I, I don't, <laughs> I'm going to reference to it again, but it, it makes me think what you just said about there being misconceptions about sustainability. Um, it makes me think about factfulness again, about how people can get mm -hmm. so much wrong because you consume, sometimes you consume news that are uh, just representative of a tiny minority of the things that happen. And while mm -hmm. that's not necessarily a problem to consume it individually, when you do that on a regular basis, I guess it sort of mm -hmm. falsifies, it creates um, a wrongful image. And I guess a lot about the challenges of sustainability is clearing up that image. And uh, this also yeah. brings me to, to another question, because like a lot of people, when they hear sustainability, maybe nowadays, I don't know exactly, but I would imagine that uh, greenwashing is something that like keeps flashing in the heads of people. Mm -hmm. Is this like, are they actually doing uh, something sustainable or are they just pretending to be sustainable? Is that, uh, is that something you have to deal with in your line of work? Um, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, there is both greenwashing and so-called uh, green blushing, meaning many organizations trying to do a lot of things, but not really communicating it because they know they will be attacked for not doing things perfectly or, oh. you know, or not doing things, um, you know, uh, 
well enough, so to speak. For example, if it's a company, maybe they don't change the business model, they just improve how they do things and try to make it cleaner, um, you know, and so on. But they're not really changing their business model. So because they work with big quantities and scales, it still doesn't make sense from a sustainability perspective, right? So they understand Mm -hmm. that by now and they just... uh, try to improve, but without really talking about it. So they still come across as these old dinosaurs and, you know. Um, but one thing I've learned is that uh, it's better to judge, if you want to, not judge, but to evaluate. Um, um, if if a company, an organization, a government, a person is uh, in a certain position of power is greenwashing or not, not, on, not too harshly on how much they're doing and how consistent they are with the concept, you know, um, yeah. but um on the basis of how they mean it like what is their like how committed they are and how much they understand so from a knowledge perspective and from a uh, commitment perspective like um, it's uh, to me if we want to when you want to do something you really need to mean it for it to be real to for, for for it to give you the impact that you expect because impact is something that manifests over the, maybe a decade or two so until then, anybody can just say that they're doing great things, right? Um, so if you really want to know if somebody will, if is more likely to get to that impact in the long run, I would say that a, a better indicator is not um, um, the hard part, but is the soft part, which is their intention and their um, if uh, if they care when they if they care enough about what they're saying that they're doing and if they mean it for the best and you know they're not just doing it from for an opportunistic reason you know because it's a trend or you know because it gives you access to funding or a new market or and so on or uh, you know new votes from the the people i think that um sometimes even people that mean the best and they are very knowledgeable they might not be able to you know, do things in a perfect way because we're not, uh, we haven't shifted paradigm yet, right? We cannot just shift paradigm. We can transition. So in the transition, it will always feel uh, imperfect and uh, contradictory and so on. And so Mm. we need to appreciate that and understand that and not punish anybody that is trying, you know, that that really means it, you know? But of course, uh, when uh, an organization is maybe led or a project, a product development or whatnot, uh, policy is led by people that... um, don't seem to really um, mean and care about uh, the impact that they are trying to build, then I would say that there is a bigger risk that that impact will just take another shape as soon as the circumstances change, you know, because what value is about meaning it and really being passionate and committed to the impact. So I, I'm, I'm aware that this is very uh, hard to uh, spot and uh, it might end up in a lot of um, judgments <laughs> instead of, you know, Yeah, I mean, like a lot of things, it's about doing your research before you, uh, before you suspect something. So true. There is, there is information to be found, I can imagine. And again, otherwise you can always reach out to your network also. (laughs) Yeah, that's very true. I think if you do your research, you will find out. And uh, sometimes people change and we, we need to give people the benefit of the doubt. And we still need to appreciate the fact that maybe people that don't have, they don't really mean it for, uh, from an impact perspective and they just see it as an opportunity. If they want to contribute that we should also embrace and support them too, you know, without, um, punishing them for. Yeah, definitely. I don't think you should be 
shaming anyone. And you said earlier that you had thought about being an, an ambassador. I think that's really noble goal to reach for. Um, but do you have like any new goals that you're working to achieve that now that you've updated your 15 year old self? Yeah, uh, great question, actually. Now you get me to uh, think. And um, so my, my main goal right now is to prove that we can do things beyond the mainstream capitalistic uh, economic model. Mm. And that we can create models that, uh, as I call it, go beyond how we do things today that are labeled as unsustainable and that we uh, need to change from a science perspective. That is my mission uh, right now. And uh, I, um, my way of achieving it is not as an ambassador necessarily, but as a by rolling up my sleeves and getting into the arena and getting into the nitty gritty of implementing things and uh, mm. a skill that uh, can prove that. So um, the opportunity I was mentioning before is uh, will be going in that direction. So hopefully I get to do that and uh, create, um, I mean, show that we can do things differently and that we, the economic model is just a social construct and that we are actually changing it all the time anyway and that we shouldn't use it as an excuse to, uh, prevent no. uh, transformations and uh, yeah, bold um, shifts that change the way we live our lives. I believe that ultimately is about lifestyle change when it comes to sustainability. We need to imagine ourselves as human beings in this world uh, living a, a life that is worth living and we need to define it and we need to be able to, to make it work also from a material perspective and uh, Mm. Um, yeah. So in a in a way, you will be the Agenda 2030 ambassador. <laughs> uh, yeah, very interesting uh, way of framing it. Yeah, uh, or not so far away. <laughs> yeah, from your initial goal. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I will uh, not represent a country or uh, you know, uh, but I would represent um, a vision. The maybe? ideals, a <laughs> yeah. vision, exactly. Yeah. But I think uh, this is a really exciting time to be in sustainability in a way because we have the Green Deal, we have the the recent uh, EU taxonomy, which uh, yeah. I read about recently, which is, seems to be a very exciting uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. new uh, regulation that I don't fully understand, but I, I've heard my network this time say great things about it. So it seems like a good time to be in sustainability. Yes. Would you agree? I 100% agree. And something happened in 2018 with the greater movement. I'm, I'm very biased by the Swedish context, of course. But mm -hmm. I, I would say that something shifted there. And now everybody agrees and understands that that's the, the, the future and is hiring accordingly. So uh, I think that for anybody graduating now, it's uh, going to be much easier than when I graduated um, You know, in 2013. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I, I really believe that um, beyond... Since mm -hmm. oh, sorry, sorry, finish, finish. Yeah, yeah that, that was it. Oh, I, I, I was going to ask, because you mentioned it, I was a little bit curious how you think the um, the Geta and the Fridays for Future movement impacted the world, like really briefly. Yeah, um, when I, I when I say this, there, it gets a bit controversial for some people, but I really, uh, listening to interviews, like in random, uh, random interviews with the, for example, politicians in, uh, Germany or, you know, uh, they were small interviews, not, uh, they didn't make the main news, but if you really look into the details, um, the fact that the youth stood up and said, not only, you know, went to the UN and kind of complained like they did since the nineties, um, but they actually said, made the point that there is no point in going to school if the world is on fire, right? I mean, is the planet is on fire. Um, yeah. 
the fact that they they uh, that Greta and the movement and all the youth behind the movement have framed the gravity of the situation as such, I think really shook many people because everybody has, I mean, most adults in positions of power somehow have kids, right? So mm-hmm. um, it, it made it real and it made it, it put things in perspective. So that was to me a very successful uh, framing of why we need to act and why we need to declare a climate emergency and uh, work with the, you know, sustainability and so on and listen to the scientists. But I really think that also from a uh, industry perspective, it definitely opened the door for sustainability uh, forever. Like with no way to go back because, um, they uh, if so if a cons- if a group of consumer come together and unite and uh, clearly articulates what their uh, expectations are maybe they don't articulate what the needs are but what their expectations are and what the values are that's always very valuable for the industry right because at some point the industry needs to be um, connected to the client base so the fact that they now know that uh, the fact that youth all over the world stood up and still does every Friday. Uh, and connect as it's connected over uh, social media um, and collaborates um, on creating a better future uh, really scares the industry because they understand that in about three to four years those people will be be will be independent buyers and uh, you know um, employees buyers and voters <laughs> and buyer voters employees colleagues bosses whatnot right investors yeah. so it's really um, sh- it shook the in- it shook the industry really so. I think it opened the door for companies to really understand that there is no more discussions on whether we should invest in sustainability or not. It's more about, okay, what are we going to do now? Like those people are not going to, you know, buy my arguments and they're not going to buy my unwillingness to do anything bold and sincere. So we need to figure this out because um, they're, yeah, they're the next uh, generation buyers, uh, employees. How how are you going to attract talent, right? Yeah. Um, how you are, are you going to retain talent and uh, yeah how how are you going to cultivate it yeah exactly that's a really good that's a really great take on the Fridays for Future movement from a sustainability perspective I also I also think it something happened and it's more than yeah. just a seed a seed got planted yeah um, but I think we should like now we are definitely nearing the end and I have just one more question for you mm-hmm. um, so bear with me sure do you have any uh, tips for someone who is starting out a job in sustainability right now? Yes. Um, I would say do not get, um, you know, don't get disappointed if things are not as advanced as you have discussed it in class um, and uh, see that as an opportunity instead. Um, it's definitely a better time to come with ideas. And so if you are sitting there and you're taking on a role or you're creating your own role within an organization that you like or you think that needs help, um, there are there is a need for people that understand this uh, or that are graduated in this um, uh, fields uh, or at least they're, they are informed enough you know, through personal means. Um, so be um, don't be upset or don't, don't be um, fearful of coming with bold ideas uh, as far as you also are willing to roll your sleeves up and show how they can be implemented because nobody really knows how to do that. So you don't need to feel, um, 
yeah, that maybe you don't know how to do it and therefore you shouldn't say anything. You should just remind yourself that uh, this we are the generation that is making this happen. And so uh, we can, we you will be surrounded by very talented people, hopefully, and uh, people you can ask for complimentary, you know, uh, input. But uh, don't compromise with the big ideas that uh, are needed to make this transition happen because everybody's looking for them and they are open for it. It's your job to show them that you have those ideas and uh, don't take a no for a no. A no is just a, the beginning of a negotiation. You need to show what you're, what you mean and, you know, and just go for it because it's the, is the right time. That's great. Oh, that's such, such inspiring words. I agree with those. No, um, so, but yeah, yeah. then um, maybe it would be great if you finish this by telling us how people can find out a little bit more about what you do. Do you have a, like, do you have a website or social media or something where people can follow you? Um, yes, I would say definitely LinkedIn is where I'm, uh, where, where I always touch base with. Uh, so definitely connect with me there. Feel free to send a, a friend request and maybe, you know, just message me with what you're interested in and, you know, I can, uh, I'm glad. I'm happy to listen to your ideas and what you're what what you're about, and maybe hopefully uh, connect you to other people that are interested. And uh, otherwise, um, I ha- I do have a website that right now is under construction, but uh, uh, it's www.marinanart.com, and I think that uh, there I will try to keep it up to date and uh, with what I'm about, what I'm up to. And uh, if you're interested in anything I'm doing, feel free to reach out as well. Um, yeah, I would say those are the main platforms, um, I'm using. All right. That's great. Marinanart.com. Yeah. That's the future website. Great. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been, this has been really exciting to listen to you talk and to listen to your experiences and everything you've been through and where you are today. Thank you so much, Oliver. It's been a pleasure to reflect and, uh, uh talk to you and uh, thank you very much for helping me, uh, reflect and, uh, maybe hopefully give something back to students that are starting the journey on the other hand, uh, and for inviting me. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. This podcast was produced by Laura Messner, Rachel Gardine, and Olivier Rostand. This episode was hosted and edited by myself, Olivier. We would like to thank today's guest, Marina Nart, for sharing her professional story with us. Big final thank you goes to Jakob Brusian for providing us with the music. If you enjoy this podcast, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at The Masterpods. We post new episodes every Wednesday. If you want to talk about your sustainable profession or know someone who you think should speak about theirs, please feel free to shoot us an email at info at masterpods.eu. That's info at masterpods.eu. And that's it for us today. Talk to you next week, everyone. Goodbye.